Super Talk Mississippi media production. I'm Steve Azar, and I'm on the other side of the microphone, meaning I'm asking the questions this time, and oh, have mercy for the airwaves. I spent 20 years in Music City, wrote and made some hits, traveled the world, and then moved my family back to the birthplace of American music and where the magnolia trees prosper. And now every time I put my feet on Mississippi soil, when I'm off the road, well, I'm at peace. On this show, it's all about hearing the story straight from the mouths of the friends I've made along the way, their journey to success. Heck, there might be someone on, I don't even know, but you know how us Mississippi types are. We tend to take well to new company. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them. I'm Steve Azar. It's just like that muddy river moving slow. Ain't no worries, it's how life goes, baby. In a Mississippi Minute. That's right. Welcome to In a Mississippi Minute. I'm Steve Azar. These are some crazy times. We're on the way back. The comeback is mounting. Just go to visitmississippi.org to check out all the incredible things we have to do right here. So culturally, so historic. It's all right here. All right, down in Mississippi, it's all about grease and groove. Stay with me. I'm talking backbone of the band, the one that holds it all together for us on stage. My guest is known worldwide for his brilliance behind a drum set. And proof is in the pudding, as they say. Apologies for the cliche. The legendary artists on his resume that come calling include Hall & Oates, Blue Oyster Cult, Meatloaf, Billy Joel, Bon Jovi, many, many more. The records he's played on, the tours he's been on, have mercy. I've had his brother on my show, Richard, a very talented actor and musician as well, which he kept from us for a long time until finally we got him on stage. He's a dear friend, and it's time to dig into the career of the other soulfully talented Bergie. On and off the stage, let's celebrate his life right here on the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio. Can I get a drum roll, please? For Chuck Bergie. What's up, Chuck? Oh, my God, Steve. I don't know if I can stand up to that in- <laughs> intro. That was just beautiful. Uh, that, that's the most flowery and, uh, and beautiful intro I've had in years. So I can't be uh, more grateful. And I'm doing well from North Jersey here. A little gray, major, major pollen happening. Yeah. So uh, I don't think it's going to affect my speaking too much. I'm actually inside, but I'm well, man. It's great to be with you. Let's talk about let's talk about uh, you being inside and not being on the road. What were your plans for the last three months? Uh, oh. And is this the first long vacation you've had since you were a kid? This is the first long vacation I've had since. Uh, wow. Yeah. Uh, since I was a kid, no, but probably since I became a professional musician, man, uh, it, this is an extended uh, stay of uh, execution. Actually, yeah. I can't believe uh, I can't believe it's been this long since I've actually performed with the band. And uh, so, getting back to your answer, we had uh, we had a, a garden uh, that we were supposed to play at the end of March with Billy, one of uh, mm-hmm. which would have been uh, the third. The third installment of the seventh year that we've been running uh, consecutively every month with sellouts at the Garden. Wow. So that would have been, uh, I think, my 86th sellout personally, um, way past 100 for Billy and most of the rest of the band. Wow. Um, then uh, in April, we were supposed to start uh, a whole new series of uh, 
football stadiums, uh, starting with the Panthers Stadium down, down in North Carolina. So that was blown out, uh, as was the uh, April Garden. And May, you know, another garden, and I'm trying to remember, I, I, I don't even remember what venue we were supposed to be in, but this was to be the year that we were going to be doing uh, nothing other than, uh, I shouldn't say nothing, but almost all uh, football stadiums right. versus the, uh, the big baseball stadiums we've been lucky to be playing the last seven years. It's just insane. Uh, That's just, we're talking to Chuck Berge, and he is the backbone of Billy Joel's band. He keeps it all together. Uh, how long have you guys been together? Well, I've been, you know, I've been in this band going on 14 years. Wow. Um, it's been absolutely the most mind-boggling experience I could have ever wished or hoped for, much more than I ever hoped for when I first started becoming a professional musician. Wow. <clears throat> uh, wow. Billy's the best boss, the most fearsome uh, entertainer to work with, he, he just gives a million percent when we hit stage every, every night. I've never worked with any artist who is so consistent and so consistently gives a hundred plus percent every show, no matter how he's feeling. Once we hit that stage, it's as if he's been, uh, you know, propelled by a rocket. Right. And, right. Uh, and I've never had to work harder with somebody in my life. He is just, uh, he's just balls out, if I can use the expression. Yeah, yeah, Every no. show. No, use, no. Every show. Um, so I'm uh, over, it's going on 14 years. I think it will be uh, this, uh, uh, gee, I think it's 14 years. Yeah. Unbelievable. And going on. So uh, absolutely extraordinary experience. We've played venues and did shows that I never thought in my wildest dreams Probably the first thing that comes to mind is closing Shea Stadium with yeah. Billy wow. in 2008. That I mean, when I grew up, the Beatles kind of christened Stadium Rock with their performance at Shea, and then and I saw that on TV. I didn't get to go see him live, but uh, to, all these years later, to be closing it and to actually be on stage with not only Billy the band, but with Paul McCartney was like right. uh, was. I was in shock for months after that. It was like a, it, it took me it took me months to actually absorb the full impact of that gig alone. Wow. And uh, boy, oh boy, it's just been mind boggling. Now, do you know my uh, my old buddy? He's been on quite a few records of, of mine, Chad Cromwell. I think maybe he... I know the name. I don't know him personally. Okay, okay. It's funny because you know that's the Nashville. You know they have the 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 system there, but he spent a lot of time with Neil Young. And and wow. also, I think he did a jam. He showed me a, a video when he was in Wembley Stadium, and he was jamming with McCartney. So I didn't know uh, exactly uh, if you guys had run into each other. Uh, it's so it's so interesting. You look at Billy Joel, and my listeners get sick of hearing me say this, but it was an incredible time getting to watch. I, I spent forty six glorious nights, all the gardens, all the arenas in the country with Bob Seger, and so to be. To watch him at Soundcheck, you know, we—I'm not that guy. I get on. I like to write songs at Soundcheck, so and I don't right. like to spend a lot of time up there. So uh, I always sort of save it for the show. I feel like once we got it, but Bob would go through the whole show. Every oh, I know, I know other artists that do that. Now, what? Did, how was Billy in relation to that? I mean, like you—you <laughs> you, you can miss a tea time for goodness' sake, you know. Well, he yeah, he is the antithesis of that, Billy. Uh, I love him to death, and I love the fact that, first of all, 
the last thing he ever wants to do until he's on stage is play one of his songs. So uh, oh, wow. we have an incredibly talented uh, second guitar player who uh, plays piano and can sing like a bird. So he he will do most of the sound check uh, for us at our shows. He'll he'll start on piano and sing on Billy's mic, uh, and then we'll run through a bunch of the uh, the songs that pretty much cover the range of our performance that night for our sound man. Then he'll go back and uh, check his guitar. Uh, and his own mic. Uh, and then if Billy shows up for sound check, which he almost always does, um, his preference is to do anything but his own music. So uh, we'll jam on Led Zeppelin, Hendrix, Cream, uh, or, or spend the majority of the time uh, trying to come up with a song that reflects the, the, the uh, city that we're in. So if we're in Chicago, you know, we will be playing... Oh, anything from a Frank Sinatra song to any, you know, maybe uh, maybe something by the band Chicago. Uh, but so he'll try and do an homage to whatever city we're in. And that will take precedence over anything else. <laughs> yeah. Because he, the last thing he wants to do is play his own stuff. That's wild. That is the total opposite. So, That's interesting. I total mean, opposite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really wild. And he, uh, he loves, uh, you know, I think he, re- I know he loves living on the edge. So he's even brave enough, uh, and it's cost him at times, I have to add, but he's brave enough to to save uh, a song that we may not have played for five months. Uh, he'll save it until we're actually on stage. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and he'd rather go with the rush and the nerves and uh, wondering where it's all going to go and if we remember <laughs> how it begins and ends than... than uh, and iron out that part of the set uh, and know know that you've already got it. Yeah. He'd rather go up there and roll those dice, and I love him for it. It is uh, it is truly living on the edge with him yeah. all the time. You know, I, I, I'm nothing like Billy Joel in, in regard of I'm a mutt, but with that said, I'm, I do it that way. I love to do uh, improv on, on the sort of just something happens, and I'll break yep. something out or, or either – I've enjoyed writing a song on stage in in a real concert setting. I used, and I got it got to the point where it became like a habit, and then it got to the point where it became a joke. But as we did the songs, we sort of did the same sort of deal. And by the end of a, like a thirty uh, tour run, we would have that song down pat. Now we would never record it. <laughs> so uh, oh, come on. a lot of times it had the word funnel cake. I mean, you'd be amazed what you could get delivered to the stage at these state fairs when you're playing them. You know what I mean? Like, I I had more oh, food man. delivered. Anyway, it was a lot of fun. We're talking to Chuck Berge. You're in a Mississippi Minute. Incredible Howdy. drummer, musician. Go to visitmississippi.org. Check out all the cool things we can do right here. Just as he is in New Jersey, a lot of stuff to do there. But in Mississippi, with the birthplace of American music, you're in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio. We're going to be right back. The news doesn't sleep, and neither do we. Fox News Radio, late breaking, up to the minute, from around the world, around the clock, here on Super Talk Mississippi. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm with Chuck Bergen, right here in the Keep Mississippi beautiful studio, a man that has been the backbone and backbeat to many 
historic icons that we all, all have been listening to forever. And I want to get to how he wound up this prolific. And that's, that's the part, especially as a drummer, it takes an extra, extra special gear of gifts. You're in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio. Chuck, go back to the beginning now, because when I talked to Richard, and I didn't know he was a drummer for a long time, he just sort of kind of, you could see he was grooving, but he wouldn't say anything at these jams. All of a sudden, he says, you know, I play drums, and my brother's Billy Joel, and he's played. I said, what? You know, like we're in the golf course. I said, how many years did it take you to tell me this? And oh that's not God. something I'm just going to walk down the fairway with you now and not you know, I want you to open up now. So we all talked right. about your dad growing up and having these jams in his backyard. First of all, I always see drummers as athletic. They're the they're the the most athletic member of a band. Okay, you got to be in shape. There's something unique about a great drummer. So the best drummers I ever knew were all really good athletes. Yeah. Are you and Richard? Who's older? I'm older. I'm the oldest. Richie's number three. Okay. Uh, then we we had uh, we have. My my younger sister, our younger sister, passed about two years ago um, mm, yeah, after I'm a so long sorry. fight I'm with so the, with the big C. Right, and uh, and then my youngest brother Peter uh, it was was the was after Richie. So uh, wow. yeah, so Dick, but I but you know yeah, we miss our sister huge, and it was a huge loss. Yeah, um, my yeah. mom's still alive. She's uh, she's ninety six and wow. and kicking it. Uh, my dad passed many many years ago. So uh, we're a small family uh, and fairly close. And Richard and I have been. Uh, although I don't know if you call him Dick more than Richard. Well, I've always still. Uh, call, I just for some reason I I don't know why I don't call him Dick yet. I just don't know. I just. Everybody around me does. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, you know, ever since I've known him, he's always been Richie or Richard. Exactly. So, yeah, so uh, I call him he's Richard. Rich, he's still rich to me, uh, right. even though he, he <laughs> whatever. Um, but <laughs> I, I got to tell you that he, he used to watch me perform and play with my high school band. And, and for years, I had no idea he had any inkling uh, that he was wanting to be a drummer or that he was capable, other than I might have heard at one point when I left home that he uh, he was going to study with the, the one teacher I had for a fairly brief period of time. And I, got, I came home from, a, from being away. I, I moved to California for a couple of years, and I remember hearing Richard playing some incredibly intense and intricate jazz rock <laughs> with his band at the time. Uh, and two of the members, actually all three of the members, were people he was still in high school with. And my jaw hit the ground. And it was just, what? You play drums and you can play that good? And he claimed uh, so, your drums because you left. So the bottom line yeah. is, you know, they're, they're, they're his now. <laughs> yeah, well, fair enough. But uh, he really, you know, he blew my mind. And he was a really, a really capable player. And uh, and really understood understood the, the, the more intricate aspects yeah. of playing and rhythm. And, and then I think he kind of, uh, then he got sidetracked by becoming a model. And obviously, the the money and the uh, and the uh, ability to to uh, branch out on that level, I think that overtook his uh, his focus on whether he was going to be a professional musician or not. Right. But he's always had a real facility for playing. Wow. And I mean, I don't know if he even practices anymore, but he truly blew my mind. And our youngest brother, who I never knew played drums, <laughs> plays great too and sings. So your dad grew up, you guys were all a part of this sort of, I feel like he like had a plan for you guys. I know he's shining down 
every time you guys yeah. uh, make art. You know what I mean? It sounded like your dad yeah. was really into the art side of his kids. What was it? Yeah, okay, so the original band was my dad. <clears throat> we always had a, a, a drum set in the house, and we had a big side room, uh, and there was a stand-up piano uh, in there as well. And the jams began with our next-door neighbor was a guitar player in a wedding band. And that's how he made his living. And he had two little girls. He was living with his mom. Uh, and uh, he was a, a, a wedding a wedding guitar player. Hmm. Um, and he would, at the end of their, their work week uh, or work night, would bring at least his amplifier, a microphone, and usually be able to drag either a sax player or his accordion piano player along with him. And, uh, and they would set up in my folks' place, and from, let's say, 10.30, 11 o'clock on, they would jam on the standards of the time um, until the early hours of the morning, fueled by beer and scotch and, uh, and uh, chain-smoking. Everybody was chain-smoking. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> so, uh, man, I grew up to that. Richard grew up to that. All my siblings, you know, we suffered through really late-night jams, usually on every Friday, Saturday night of the whole year. Wow, of the whole year. That is, yeah. you know, it reminds me so much of what it was like for us growing up. But but you think about our African-American history here. You know, you go back and then you're talking about the blues. This was what it was about. It sounds like you guys were doing exactly, you know, what Son Thomas and Eugene Powell and Roosevelt Booba Barnes and all these guys were doing back in the day. Little Milton before he became, you know, a global name. B.B., right. no telling what B.B. and them were doing when they were younger, but Muddy Waters. I mean, you think about that. It sounds very similar. It's not just doing it. It's, a, it's basically, it's a part of your work week, and it's a lifestyle. It, it, I, think, I think you hit it on the head. I know for myself, my dad was, uh, was mostly in love with music and acting. So he gave, I know he gave me the freedom to pursue my love of music and drums at an early age. Um, tried to, tried to dissuade me from becoming a professional. But once I said, I'm doing it, he gave me all he had. And you were just saying that a lifestyle and a, uh, it's a way of life, really. Yeah. We, we worked all week. I, I went to school all week looking forward to the jams. Yeah. So how Joe Walsh, the famous guitar player from not only the Eagles but his own solo career. Um, how he got involved is he had he's a couple of years older than me, and he had a high school band that played locally and regionally in high school. I mean, in uh, yeah, high schools, uh, local uh, churches, and uh, back then it was a it was a huge uh, business to be able to provide music to the different uh, areas of a community. Right, and um, so he. Uh, he had a band that was coming back from a gig around 11.30 at night, and our, our, our house was right on our main road. They heard the music because it was a summer night or early, early summer. School had, had maybe just been getting out, mm -hmm. and they heard music pouring out of my folks' house, turned around, parked the car, got out, introduced themselves, and next thing I know, there was a whole other level of people attending the jams that were a couple of years older than me and, and in high school. I was in, I was in uh, grammar school at that point. And uh, so Joe, Joe got to know my folks really well. In my life, he was, he was probably my, my brother, my older brother figure, but definitely my older brother figure. And it wasn't until his senior year that I really started his senior year in high school, which would have been my, I guess, fifth year, fifth grade year, maybe sixth grade year, that I started really becoming aware of, uh, 
his devotion to music uh, and his ability, and then he introduced his mother to my folks, who was a boogie-woogie piano player par excellence. She wow. was also cla classically trained and had obviously imparted all her musical love and knowledge to Joe, mm -hmm. who was also a great keyboard player. So it was crazy. Uh, she started joining my, my folks' jams, and as often as she could, she would show up on Friday or Saturday nights or both with her husband. Um, sometimes Joe would show up or not, but, man, she became a mainstay of our jams because she was so uh, versed in all sorts of music. Wow. And love to love to play the standards. Love to play boogie woogie, uh, and love to drink beer and scotch. So <laughs> she fit right in with my parents' uh, party uh, music love, and uh, love and and it was incredible. So as I was as I grew older, I uh, after Joe left and went on to college, I started my own high school band. I had a, I actually started the same band in uh, junior high, and uh, we stayed together all through junior high and high school. And we were we were gigging pretty much every weekend, every Friday and Saturday night of the school year, every year. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we were well known, and and it was a great great band, and it was a wonderful growing opportunity for me. And really having Joe, uh, ha having Joe's career take off after he left home, uh, he would come home every uh, every Thanksgiving and every Christmas, and uh, and jam with me and my band. And he imparted to me the feeling of, well, if he can do it, I can do it. Mm -hmm. And yeah. if it hadn't been for that, I might have given up because I never was any, I was, never was a deeply schooled drummer, uh, but I just loved everything from funk, rock, uh, blues, uh, swing, big band music. And uh, as Joe's success grew, my belief that I could, I could at least make a living at it also grew. So I was really lucky to have him as a benchmark wow. as I uh, as I got older. I love that. That's just amazing. All right, listen, we're the birthplace of American music. I understand your history there. I know you got yeah. Springsteen down the street, and you got Bon Jovi, and you got Sinatra. You got all that right there percolating this incredible history. We are the birthplace of American music. So would you like to hear Sam Cooke or R.L. Burnside into the break? R.L. Burnside. That's what I'm talking about. I'm about to make a record with his with his grandson Cedric. We're we're waiting for oh, the studios to open up, and they won't let us in just yet. But we may break in. I'm with Chuck Berge. Incredible, incredible life lived behind the drum kit. You're in the Mississippi Minute. I'm Steve Azar. Go to visit Mississippi.org. Check out all the cool, cool, cool things we got right here. We'll be right back. Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Chuck Burton, he's right here in the Keaton, Mississippi beautiful studio via New Jersey. It's all the same thing. Well, it's just all about soul. It's not that far away. It is. <laughs> it is. Steve, what's up? Listen, you're, you're a musician as well as uh, a, a well-known now commentator. And I, I can't tell you how much fun it is to be talking with and be asked uh, by a fellow musician <laughs> as well as someone who's who's uh, out on the airwaves. Let's just say, Chuck, that 
if I have to make my living doing this, then we're in trouble. That's why I miss <laughs> miss the road. But uh, but it is yeah. interesting. I appreciate you saying that. And uh, but but all of these things I do in my life are all in the name of getting to keep writing songs and making records. And uh, I'm finishing up sure. one right now. I'm excited about. So we're we're doing all that. Okay. So we're not talking about me right now. I'm still digging into you. Don't forget, go to visit Mississippi.org. Chuck, you're gonna do it, and you're gonna come see me, and I'm gonna take you around the state. All right. Oh, I would love it. Now, did you grow up down there? Yeah, man. I'm generations back, uh, Mississippi Delta. My dad's from Greenville. My mom's from Clarksdale. Oh man, so you grew up. You grew up where it all began. Yeah, I mean, it was a guy named Eugene Powell that was my my dad opened the first legal liquor store in Mississippi, and oh, when when he when he when he did that, there was a guy named Eugene Powell who, when you walk in my front door, you see Eugene. He was uh, he was making blues records in the 30s. It was Sonny Boy Nelson. Wow. In fact, Keb Moe came down to Greenville, and because he wasn't getting sort of recognized, they said, oh, you can't be from where you are to be a blues guy. There's da-da-da-da-da, all that. So he came and lived in Greenville for quite a while until Eugene basically gave him that stamp of approval. That's the, wow. that's the word on the street. Eugene was so good to me. I'd go back there, and, like, the jams for him was his guitar, uh, the, the postmen were coming off of work, and they'd sit on crates, and I was 10. And when I heard oh what he God. was doing, that's, I wanted to write songs. That was it for me. Game over. Wow. So that wow. was a, a really cool thing, and he was always good to me. And as, as I started having hits, we'd come back and do photo shoots together. So I've got some great memories, and he was just really nice. And little Milton was always – he called me little Azar. He'd come into town. He goes, <laughs> we'd go from – we went from a van, so in my high school to college, so mostly in college, we did the same thing, but we went to, from a van to two 28-foot trucks, and my brother, oh, ran, ran, my brother ran it all, and we had 10 guys on payroll, and we were doing about half of my songs and then half cover. Because you just had to do it for four hours, you know. And then uh, it just we had tragedy in the band. We had a lot of bad things happen, and, and, uh, and I ended up going to Nashville to write. And then ended up finally, finally get, getting better at that, which I needed to. I was a long, long way off. Uh, but, but the good news is I, I ended up being around the greatest writers in the world. And, and I owe them because I love, I dig every if, and, and but in a song. You know what I mean? Like, it matters. I always felt like, you know, you had a good mob working records. I heard about the mob working the records back in the day. Oh, I can yeah. say that now. Uh, the yeah. stories of, this, like, the Scotty brothers, they'd go in, these Scotty two big brothers, guys, yeah. and they would... They were ex-football players from the NFL, and you're going to play my record. I mean, I've got friends that, you know, they would kind of squeeze their shoulders a little bit. You know, I love you. You're going to play my record or else. Yep. <laughs> I, you know, look, I think that was a – I know that was a huge part of the era that I grew up in, the 60s, late 60s into the 70s. Um, and, and the, you know, the mob run, runs – Ran and maybe still does run New Jersey. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I I have stories I could tell of my first uh, my fir one of my first deep loves who was Italian and and her her family uh, was a part of the biggest Italian family in Northern Jersey here, and, uh, and there, her 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 uh, her father uh, was one of uh, seventeen kids, uh, and he had nine brothers. Mm -hmm. And uh, and they were into everything from uh, from carpentry to longshoremen to uh, I mean uh, the stuff I saw hanging out of her house when uh, when I when the the show <laughs> The Sopranos finally uh, first started I had many friends that uh, would watch that and just tell me 
with an incredulous attitude, this isn't real. And I was like, are you kidding? This is exactly what yeah, it is. They nailed it, didn't they? That was it. Oh, they it? totally nailed yeah. it. They totally yeah. nailed it. So anyway, that's, that's, you know, that was peripheral. That was my peripheral yeah. experience of a Jersey mob. Uh, and, I, <laughs> and I mean that affectionately because it was, uh, it was something that I think grew over the in the first hundred plus years of everybody uh, making their way here from uh, from all over Europe. Yeah. Well, my favorite movie of all time is Goodfellas, and it starts and stops oh my there. God. So I love that whole that whole lifestyle of uh, and how they. Uh, I mean, talking about celebrating a lifestyle, they made you feel good about the crimes. I don't. I don't know whether maybe just Pesci or something, but the bottom line is I love those stories because. I feel like there was a lot of goodness in like the the biggest criminals, like they, the, or at least they made you feel like you really wanted to like them. You know, <laughs> you, know, you want to so like them. They're Absolutely. characters. They're characters. I guess is the best yeah. way to to describe. It. We're talking to Chuck Berge. You're in the Mississippi Minute. Hey, All right, y'all. Chuck, what do you got going there? What's going on? Oh, does that sound? I'm, I'm sadly getting some work done on my my home oh so, like, I, that's I don't know, good i don't know if i can escape i, I don't know if i can escape this sound no let me, no let me try and go to another no 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 it's fine uh, i like the sounds are good it makes the show more interesting for goodness sake just go in there make a sandwich or something hey what what, what so where was the first break you say you go off to california right and you've played yeah. with meatloaf and you've played you know you, you've spent time making records with everybody i mean you've made records with everybody that's cool to me so when did when did you go Okay, now I'm on Joe Walsh's level. I mean, now I'm there. I mean, like it's happening, and I'm with the best of the best. Who was it? What was the first break? Oh, uh, I guess my my very first break was a guitar player named Al Demiola, and uh, he was in a band when I became aware of him called Return to Forever, and uh, I got a chance to work with him in 1977, and that was, uh, and it took me like. Seven years. I graduated in high school in the 70s, so it took me seven years to actually make it to a an international. I should say a national tour situation. Uh, I was with a lot of great players, uh, but many of the bands prior to that just just didn't just didn't have the complete package to get signed or to uh, to write enough good music. So uh, we had something other than cover stuff to play. And, uh, boy, I just, I look back on the, uh, just the, the journey of trying to get a great job that would that propel me into an echelon of players, uh, like existed in Manhattan, mm-hmm. uh, and like existed in several pockets all over the United States that, that were, uh, pretty much beds of talent for people who were signed to, uh, you know, to recruit members to take their music on the road. When Springs so, uh, when Springsteen's sort of bubbling, I mean, you guys, us, what age should be around the same, close to the same age? You're younger than Springsteen, so I think yeah, I think Bruce is a couple of years older, probably similar to. What was the feeling like? And what did you guys? Obviously, you guys knew first. So, what was the sense, uh, you know, as a musician well, and knowing, okay, this is special. Well, to have a, a Jersey artist start to attain that type of stature mm-hmm. was, uh, but you have to realize the uh, Four Seasons came from uh, Jersey also. You know, the Jersey Boys, uh, there's, there's a movie, there was a, a Broadway play. So before Springsteen, there was 
I was aware of the Four Seasons being Jersey guys right. who were all over the radio when I was growing up. So there was, for me, there was always the feeling of hope that if I just kept working at trying to be the best drummer I could be and meeting people and, of course, learning all along the way what to do, what not to do, how to behave, how to be cool, how to, how to you know, how to talk to people, and uh, I always ha I had hope listening to that the Jersey music. Springsteen once he hit the airwaves, um, that that propelled my hope uh, to a whole nother level. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's interesting, the very first national re uh, national record, uh, actually international record I ever played on, uh, I shared drum duty with Max. Max Weinberg, wow, who yeah. at the time was Bruce's, and you know, yeah. Bruce was just attaining uh, uh, stature uh, and international awareness of his music, mm -hmm. especially major national awareness. And it was, I was on East Cloud 20 yeah. because uh, I felt like I'm starting to arrive. I'm starting to, uh, I'm starting to attain some place where somebody will find my music and what I have to offer valuable. And uh, for years, all I wanted to do was just, can I pay my rent playing drums? Yeah. That, to me, was success. Yeah, and there's no doubt. We're with Chuck Berger. You're in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio. We're going to take a quick break. Don't forget, visit Mississippi.org, the place to go. I'm going to be Chuck's personal tour guide when he comes to visit. All right. We'll be right so. back. <laughs> Folks, Steve Azar here letting you in on the Guarantee Bank Summer Better Sweepstakes when sending money with Zelle. Zelle is a fast, safe, and easy way to send money in minutes to friends, families, and others you trust, no matter where they bank, right from Guarantee Bank's mobile banking app. And now you can win the $5,000 grand prize when making Zelle transactions from June 1st to July 31st. Just download the Guarantee Bank mobile app to send money with Zelle at the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. Visit gbtonline.com forward slash Zelle dash sweepstakes for more info and rules. No purchase, account, or Zelle necessary to enter to win. Guarantee Bank, member FDIC. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Winding down a Mississippi Minute, I am with one of the greatest drummers on the planet, Chuck Berge, and I'm excited about it. My brother, Richard Ritchie, as he calls him, Ritchie's brother, older brother. Uh, Chuck, to be able to be a blues drummer and a rock drummer and go in and do some things that are a little bit more jazzy and intricate. Anyway, how have you been able to adapt like that, do you feel? That's a really good question. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm a fan of music and of certainly opportunity. Um, and I have, to, I have been a chameleon. Looking back, uh, as, as I do have time to do now, 
normally I'd be looking forward. Okay, I got to get prepared for the next gig with Billy because those have been uh, the biggest things of my whole entire career. Right. Uh, but now that we're not doing that, I'm, I am looking back, and I I've had to be a chameleon to survive. Um, you know, the different types of music I I was passionate about uh, slowly ebbed into something else. Uh, so I can remember I had to dive into learning disco, and it was the bane of my existence uh, <laughs> at the time. But it helped me. It helped me uh, learn a whole other way of playing. Um, and I, I can't say that I've always done it quickly, or that it's also been something that's come easily. Uh, I think I, I've kind of I've been with Billy for 14 years, and I think I'm finally. Just in the last year, I too, and this is being really harsh judgment and from myself, but I, I think I'm finally getting what his music needs. Uh, for for so long, and I think many players go through this. I thought just because I've got the, the opportunity to play with him uh, means that I get to put a lot of me in, and uh, I think I was, you know, he was kind enough to let me make a lot of mistakes. Uh, I think more. Uh, more mu- you know, more musically as, as far as taste went than uh, actually playing. Right. Uh, but I, he let me just find my way without really ever saying anything. And fortunately, I was committed to trying to keep honing what I'm bringing to Billy's music because nothing was broken when I took that uh, you know took that job on. Uh, but for a long time, I was <laughs> I was uh, under the uh, misassumption that. Uh, I could add uh, a lot more of myself. And what music really needed was uh, uh, an absence of that, just to, to be an homage to what already existed on vinyl uh, right. was, was, was very, very sufficient. Is there a difference between Chuck Berge, the, the live drummer, versus the studio drummer? Absolutely. Absolutely. I th- but I think it's also uh, has to do, I think it also has to do with uh, what the music needs. Um, sometimes I can hear, I can do a session with a, a singer-songwriter, and uh, you know they they play acoustic guitar. And, and if I'm if I'm fortunate to be working with some other people that I know and love to re- be in the studio with, then the collectively we can figure out what they need fairly quickly. But um, I've tried to be technical enough to be able to bring a lot of different things to the, the mix. You think of Hall and Oates. So I'm just thinking about these great records that you've played on in these live co- Michael Bolton, Diana Ross. You know, yeah. it's insane to me. Meatloaf. You did <laughs> Wembley with Meatloaf. I mean, it's just what a career. If you ever look back, you know, if you start pinching yourself, you're gonna you're gonna cause some bruises. So it won't be a good idea to start pinching. <laughs> you're gonna hurt yourself. You know that, don't you? You're too kind. <laughs> too kind. Well, I, I I have to say I've been incredibly fortunate. I think you mentioned earlier being a chameleon, and it was my willingness to to try and reinvent myself on and on and off, on and off uh, over the years that has uh, reaped the ability to keep being employed. Uh, I you know for years and years and years after high school, I wanted to do nothing but play the craziest uh, lead drums with a, a crazy lead guitar player, and uh, and that's still my secret fetish and wish, but um, uh, over the years I've had to adapt to singers, songwriters like Hall & Oates, 
who really needed the simplest stuff from me. And really, at the time, by the time I left them, um, I, I didn't want to be just that really simple, rock-solid drummer they needed. Uh, so I left and, and really needed to uh, to find bands that were going to let me play more drums, let me play busier drums. Mm -hmm. And I, and it's been a it's been a constant uh, reinvention. So I guess it's my willingness to reinvent myself uh, and try and find something in me that I can bring to the party for an artist. Right. Uh, and it's not only in the studio, but specifically taking their music live. Because when, when I've joined an artist who's already recorded a record, I then have to assess, can I, uh, can I bring that music uh, alive in front of people? Right. And that's, right. A, that's a whole nother, you know, uh, whole nother challenge. Right. I love it. Well, the challenge that you've had to spend a Mississippi <laughs> minute with me, you have been victorious. It sounds like you're not you're not laid out on the couch like most of my guests end up doing or wanting to just jump through the phone and grab me and strangle me. So I appreciate oh, no, you spending too. this time. It's so good to get to know you. Uh, and I'm, I'm blessed. I know I'm blessed now that I know I have two burgies in my life. And uh, oh, Steve, you're the best, man. You. I appreciate you. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. I hope we can do this again sometime. And I hope I can make it down, see you and have you take me on a personal Oh, trip. I cannot wait for that. We've been with Chuck Berge. Incredible, incredible talent. Hey, y'all. And uh, he said, y'all, I like that. Don't forget, go to visitmississippi.org and just let yourself go. It's going to be all right. We're going to get through these trying times. You're going to keep Mississippi beautiful studio. And now you're not. We'll see you later. I'm Steve Azar. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them where you can take your sweet time. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.